All right, well, welcome inside the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kahn of Longhorns Wire. My co-host, Cami, will be joining me momentarily. First, I want to remind everyone you can follow us on social media. The Locked On Longhorns Twitter account is LO underscore Longhorns. You can follow me at Pat Sports Guy, and you can follow Cami at Cami Ang. Also, please give us a rating and subscribe. It really helps other Longhorn fans find our podcast. So let's get started. It is a mock draft Monday here on Locked On Longhorns. We're going to have Trevor Sikkim of the Draft Network and the host of Locked On NFL Draft right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, Patrick. How's it going? I mean, it, was, it was a good weekend, wasn't it, Cammie? Oh, it was. I personally actually feel like I was all over the place this weekend, but it was also a very busy weekend on the 40 Acres with several home games for the Longhorns, so I'm excited to recap some of those. But um, basically, like you mentioned, we're going to start the show off today by discussing an update of the men's and women's basketball teams, then we'll switch over a bit to some NFL draft talk, and then we'll close out the show by discussing the impressive wins for both softball and baseball this weekend. But moving right along into men's basketball right now, unfortunately their win streak came to an end on Saturday as they fell to Oklahoma state 81 to 59. That's actually one of their worst losses this season. And it happened to come on a day where they urged fans to show up and then just completely fell flat. So what do you think of that particular performance? Well, I think the one thing that you take away from this game, obviously, like you said, they fell flat. They fell down early, and there was really no energy from the team. Uh, one of the worst shooting performances they've had this year, they shot 35.2% from the floor. Not good when you're facing a team that's shooting over 60%. Uh, they live by the three, and they die by the three. They shot just five out of 29, which is just a little over 17% from the field. And, and meanwhile, the, the Cowboys were shooting 61.5%. You know, Texas took 29 shots, and it just it just felt like they were rushed shots. They're shooting too early in the shot clock. And, and despite the fact that Kai Jones put out a career-high 20 points, there really wasn't anything newsworthy in that game. And the big problem being that you lost to a team that was, you know, if you pay attention to the net ratings, which is one of the, the new tools that they use for Selection Sunday. You know, Oklahoma State was really low in the in the ratings, and tech, uh, Texas is now ranked 68th, which is – they dropped 11 spots just from losing to Oklahoma State, who was ranked 71st at the time. So, yeah, it really hurt them as far as how bad this loss was for, for their hopes of making the NCAA tournament. Right. Yeah, I was actually just about to bring that up. So we mentioned on the show that prior to the Oklahoma State loss that Texas was going to be an at-large bid um, into the NCAA tournament, according to several different sites. But they ended up finished the regular season 19-12 overall and went 9-9 in Big 12 play. But where do you personally think um, they will fall in terms of the Big 12 tournament when it's all said and done? I know they didn't get a great uh, deal. I believe they are the four seed playing Texas Tech, correct? Um, do you think that's still the case that they may be able to still sneak into the tournament or not quite? If they do not beat Texas Tech, I don't think that they get into the tournament for the simple fact that that lost Oklahoma State, like I said, it really hurt them. They dropped uh, – they were an 83% chance to make the tournament as an at-large bid after they beat Oklahoma. That dropped to just 53% with the loss to Oklahoma State, and now they got to go up against Texas Tech. and. If they lose that game, I just don't see how they're going to make it in. They're right now listed as the last four in, essentially. So 
another loss right now at this stage. I mean, unless it's a unless it's against a, a Baylor or a Kansas, and a, you know, I, I just don't see them as making the tournament if they do not beat Texas Tech on Thursday. Interesting. We'll definitely have to talk more in detail about that this week, including whether Shaka Smart's job is safe or not. But switching over, I want to touch on women's basketball for a bit. They actually ended their season with a win against Oklahoma State on Sunday by a score of 63 to 52. They finished a regular season 19 and 11 overall and went 11 and 7 in the Big 12. What are your takeaways from both the Oklahoma State game and their positioning in the Big 12 right now? Yeah, with the women's game against Oklahoma State, you know, it's a little bit surprising. They actually shot just percentage-wise a little bit worse than than Oklahoma State, but obviously they won by double digits. Uh, much like the men's game, they couldn't shoot from three. They shot three for 21, and um, so 14.3% from the field. But overall, I mean, they, they were getting the hustle plays. Uh, Charlie Collier and Joyner Holmes, both with a double-double. Uh, Joyner Holmes on senior day. 17 points to to lead both sides early on mac uh, for oklahoma state was a handful down low but they were able to you know ride the wave so to they were able to get that win and, and secure their spot as the number three seed was behind baylor and, and behind tcu getting ready to take on west virginia in the big 12 tournament as the three six matchup and, and that was going to happen friday evening yeah, I'm excited for that. It's in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. So you can stream it um, on 105.3 FM. It's at 730, like you mentioned, on Friday night. So that'll be an interesting matchup. Yeah, so make sure you're tuning into Fox Sports. That's where they'll be uh, broadcasting that game. You know, it's going to be an interesting matchup. And and hopefully, you know, these two teams, you know, they played within six and five points of each other in each matchup that they had this season between them and West Virginia. Each team winning on the home court, so it'll be interesting to see how they do when they play in a neutral site. It's going to be a good matchup, and hopefully they can get into the, to the next round and uh, likely will play TC. Good matchups all around. I think it's going to be a, a good week for Big 12 basketball, both men and women. But real quick, just before we get into our next topic, uh, how surprised were you that Iowa State was able to pull off the upset against number two Baylor? Oh, gosh, I was surprised I had to double take when you sent me that message earlier. But didn't that end about the 58 game win streak or so that that ended their 58 game Big 12 win streak. So, you know, hats off to the Cyclones for for pulling that off. I mean, that was a that was a tough matchup. But coming up next, I'm going to visit with Trevor Sikama of the Draft Network and see what he thinks about the the trio of Texas Longhorns that are getting ready for their Big day with the NFL draft coming just a few weeks away. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I'm here now with one of my good buddies. He's a very smart draft mind, and let me just say, he's got the best hair in the business. Uh, Trevor Sikama <laughs> of the Draft Network and host right here on the Locked On Podcast Network of the Locked On NFL Draft. Trevor, how are we doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, Patrick. I'm excited that you're uh, that you're taking over and doing this Longhorns podcast for Locked On, man. I'm I'm excited to uh, be a guest on it and see where you take it. Actually, yeah, uh, you're actually the first guest. So, wow. So, so I, all the pressure. Okay. Right, all right. Go all right. Big or I go like home, that. Man. Go big. Go home. Uh, yeah. So, just to give people a little bit of an idea about the Draft Network, man. I love the idea. Uh, I'm a 
I'm a premium member, so I'm in the Slack. I'm checking out what everybody's saying. Uh, like, how big of an opportunity was it for you when they brought you on to the Draft Network? No, I love I love the Draft Network, and I've been with them really since the since day one. Uh, that's no hyperbole there, and it's it's been a blast. We've had a lot of really cool ideas, and I've written for a lot of draft podcasts in the past, past and uh, draft websites. I mean in the past and I've loved every stop along the way. It's just nothing's been as solidified as what I have at the draft network right now. We have so many tools and ideas and minds that come together to really give draft fans. I think a lot of what they want and what we do at TDN that's different than anybody else is we have a staff of writers that give direction and opinions and analysis on players, but we want to give all you guys out there the tools to be your own draft expert, right? Like we, we all have listened to Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay for years do their thing with the draft. And, you know, sometimes we'll be like, oh, I can't believe, you know, he's got him ranked here. He's got this guy going to this team. Well, we wanted to create a platform to where even if you weren't a writer, you could do a mock draft exercise. And that's what we have with our mock draft machine, or you could make your own position rankings and we allow you to do that as well. And so honestly, man, for as much as I get to do with the Draft Network, the coolest part for me is watching everybody else get the opportunity to express their opinions and and do their own mock drafts and rankings and things like that. It's uh, We're trying to give the draft community what they want, uh, feed their passion, if you will, and it's been a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely, man. I think it's great. Like I said, I'm... I'm a premium member, so I get in there and mess with it too. I, you know, I have my draft stuff that I do for the draft wire. But let's jump right into it. Uh, people want to know what your thoughts are on the trio of guys between Duvernay, Colin Johnson, Brandon Jones. Who do you have? Who do you have ranked highest? So right now, I have Brandon Jones and Colin Johnson, uh, kind of right around the same spot, and those two are the highest. And then I have Duvernay, kind of. Uh, not too far below them, but a little bit below where they are. And so those two guys, I'm not sure who's going to end up being the highest yet because I haven't done final evals, but those two guys are kind of in the same area right around my board. So what is your biggest concern with, let's say, Brandon Jones? I know he had the injury concerns this year with the labrum, you know, missing out on the senior bowl, missing out on the combine. What are you hoping to see if he can give it a go for – for the uh, pro day, but what's your biggest concern in his game right now? Yeah. So it's not even like too much of a concern with Brandon Jones. It's just really what he is. And I just think Brandon Jones is a strong safety. You know, like this is a guy who clearly does his best work when he's coming downhill on guys. He plays that box role. His best trait is, you know, how he can assist in tackling and in pursuit and um, when in run support and things like that. You know, he could be a shutdown player in that regard. He's pretty good at man coverage. I've got some faith that he could do well against tight ends because he likes to be physical. He likes to be aggressive. That's where that tackling downhill nature comes from. And you see that pop up when he's in coverage. The thing that's, I, I, I don't even know holding him back, but it's just the range factor as a potential free safety, right? Those are the guys who get drafted higher. The players who can potentially play that single high center fielder safety role where you can be back on the deep end in coverage by yourself. You know, you're a guy who can go sideline to sideline. And although I think that Jones has some pretty good athleticism, it's just not nearly as natural as it is for him when he's going downhill. And so I think that that's probably the only thing holding him back. I really like his game. I really, really do. And so 
I, I like him as a prospect, but you just got to understand what he is. He's kind of more of that strong safety type. He's going to be a box safety and you'll get him matched up against tight ends here and there. And I like that too, because he can get physical, but that's kind of my outlook on Brandon Jones. I, I do like him as a strong safety though. So where do you see Colin Johnson? I know people are going to wonder what he can do. Uh, is there any limitations because of his size? Yeah. Colin, obviously Big time wide receiver. He's got a big frame. He's a true X. He's a guy that's going to play on the line of scrimmage. He's going to get pressed against him, but he's used to that. He doesn't separate well. I mean, that's the area. We'll just get that out of the way. He's He's got super long legs, and it just makes it really difficult for him to be really tight on his movements and in and out of his route breaks. And that's just kind of a natural thing that he has to deal with. But for how he's built, for his measurables and what he does, I think he's pretty fluid for a tall wide receiver that doesn't always translate to every route that he runs out of the route tree being as precise or as explosive as maybe it is for some other guys but in terms of him making plays over the open field or or even getting some yards after catch I think Colin Johnson brings a good amount of upside I think he's great in the air he's great in contested catch situations you know it's He's like the nature of him not separating well has given him a lot of practice to basically be a guy who's got a tip those 50-50 balls more into the 70-30 range, if you will. I like his hands. I like his catch radius. I think he uses it well. And I think he's smart, too. I really think that sometimes these bigger wide receivers, they just rely on their strength to be physically imposing on some of these corners. And when you see college football wide receivers have that as their calling card, they get to the next level in these corners. They're faster. They're stronger, and they got bigger techniques. So you can't just big boy these guys like you did in college. What I like about Colin Johnson is that he's smarter than that. He's not just a brute who's going to go up and use his size to his advantage, although he does that well. He'll set you up in some nuanced ways, you know, getting to your blind spot, uh, making corners turn their hips one way or the other to create separation in that regard. And so I think he's got upside. I like who he is as a player. But the athletic ceiling and just the fluidity and how precise he might be in his route running for separation standpoint, it's just not going to be there for Colin Johnson like it will be for other wide receivers. Yeah, I think you can really use his frame to your advantage. And, you know, over this last season watching him play, uh, he makes some catches that make you go, how did he come down with that? You know, the the catch radius is just unreal for him. Right. Yeah. No, it is. It, it, and that's a big selling point for a lot of these wide receivers it really is they're once you get into that you know right right around the fringe probably pick 100 kind of a range end of day two early day three it's those x factor kind of things that'll separate you from the rest of the pack when it comes to getting a draft slot so i think that colin johnson definitely has that going for him yeah i agree with you on there uh all right so let's talk about a receiver who's completely different than colin let's talk about the slot guy devin duvernay yeah, so he's like I said, he's a little bit lower, and I like Duvernay. Certainly, he's a he's a straight line speed demon, right? I mean, it is, this dude can fly when you put him in a straight line, but he, I just think that him and Colin both really are, are limited route runners. There's only a handful of routes that I really trust Duvernay with. Now, I think he does those really well, like even the bubble screens and the quick slants and the up the seam moves. Like he'll do that really well. And I think he can attack a defense vertically uh, as well as really get into that linebacker level and then right off the line of scrimmage, giving some slot guys some fits because I think he is a thicker, stronger slot player. But there are offenses that like their slot guys to be a little bit more quick, a little bit more short area explosive. And so Duvernay is not necessarily going to be that guy. 
he's going to need to go to an offense that likes to get vertical with it, um, likes to have their slot guys really challenge the deeper parts of the field. And if that's the case, then you're going to get a lot of what he already does well because when he opens up his strides, he can break some tackles and he can certainly turn on the Jets in the open space. So he's a guy who you like to get in that open space area, but manufacturing that in the NFL is a little bit different than it was in college. He was obviously a, a target machine when he was at Texas last year. I just don't think that he's going to have near as that much emphasis in the offense when it comes to an NFL team. And instead, as the targets go down, he'll have to remain effective in what he does. You got to put him in the right positions. I think those routes that I named off there, he could still have success within the NFL. It's just not nearly as much of a thing where Texas seemed to completely build their game plan a lot around of what Duvernay did, at least in the passing attack, uh, to give them those yards after the catch and to attack deep down the middle of the field, almost like a like a proxy kind of tight end player. But it's just going to be a little bit different in the NFL in that regard. And because I do think his route tree is kind of limited just because I don't think he's the most flexible guy, that's why I have him a little bit lower. But get him in the offense that'll let him do that stuff, I think he could have success in the NFL, no doubt. Trevor, I appreciate you jumping on today. Uh, make sure that you check out Trevor at the Draft Network. You can check out his podcast, Locked On NFL Draft. And uh, where can they follow you? Yeah, uh, Twitter handles at Tampa Bay Trey, talking all kinds of football, college, and NFL over there. And yeah, Patrick, really appreciate you having me on, man. I really enjoyed it. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Okay, so we're going to switch gears here and actually talk about some impressive victories this weekend. We're going to start with Texas softball here. Um, obviously, they're continuing to dominate. They hosted the Longhorn Invitational this weekend and won all four of those games, defeating Liberty twice along with Texas Southern and New Mexico. They're now 24-3 and overall this season, but I want to particularly discuss Miranda Ellish a bit here. She threw a perfect game against New Mexico on Sunday can you elaborate a bit, Patrick, a little in terms of just how dominant she's been this season so far, both on the mound as well as at the plate? Yeah, I mean, you talk about a All-American pitcher who her ERA this year is 1.25. And it just goes to show you, she actually has more appearances than she does earned runs given up, if that tells you anything. She's pitched in 16 games, 15 runs given up this year. You know, opponents are batting a a buck 58 against her, you know, that's, you know, so she, for every 10 at bat, she's given up less than two hits. So it just shows you the dominance, the 96 strikeouts. It just shows you how dominant she was, you know, on Sunday when she pitched the perfect game, she, she struck out 10 and she made it look easy. She, I mean, she had command and that's the thing is when Ellis has command, she's virtually unhittable. And, and then at the plate, she's batting 370, which is fourth on the team. She has 19 RBIs, which is third behind Mary uh, Iacopo and Lauren Burke, who's just been absolutely just ripping the cover off the ball. And, you know, she hit four home runs early on in the season. I believe it was like the first week. And she's still second on the team behind, you know, freshman standout Courtney Day, who's, you know, been really big as far as a pitcher and, you know, her bat as well. Yeah, and actually – you mentioned Lauren Burke here. She had an, a, a great game, I believe. Um, I think it was one of the games against Liberty where she had two home runs in the same game. Yeah, I mean, she's she's been a big-time bat for this team right now. And, you know, with the way that Ellis is pitching and Burke, you know, from the plate, you know, a couple of Oregon Ducks come to Texas, and they've really been huge for Texas. 
Yeah, that was actually the Texas Southern game. So that was a great game. That's when they won in the sixth inning, 13 to five. But I believe they had four home runs. So they're absolutely demolishing the ball when they're at the plate. Yeah, they're really showing that they have power from both sides of the plate. You know, both Burke and and Ellis are both left-handed bats. But, you know, when you bring in Mary in and, and Caitlin Slack and, you know, Caitlin Washington, they got they got power on both sides of the plate. So it doesn't matter if you're facing lefties, righties. I mean, they can bring power from both sides. I agree. And after that, um, hosting that Longhorn Invitational, they're actually going to travel to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, they'll be participating in the T-Town Showdown. That includes teams like Alabama, BYU, and Bryant University. So that'll be interesting. They're playing Alabama actually um, March 13th on Friday. That's the game I'm most looking forward to. Uh, kind of a, a revenge game uh, in a sense, but um, none of those teams are ranked, but like we've discussed before, their only losses this season have come by, I believe, one run in each game against unranked opponents. So hopefully they can t- can continue this hot streak before they um, have to play at Oklahoma um, at the end of March. And that's that's the big matchup right there, or at least it was when Oklahoma was top five. Right. I still think it'll be difficult regardless. I mean, they're playing in Norman uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it'll be an interesting series for them. Conference rivalries are always that way. So let's let's talk a little bit about the baseball team. Yeah, they also had a great uh, weekend at home. They swept the series with Cal State Fullerton to improve to 13-3 and three, um, on the season. I was actually at the game on Saturday, the one that got moved to noon. Um, it was actually their closest uh, game of the weekend. But which of these three games stuck out to you the most? I really think the the game on Sunday afternoon, it was the first time in any of the three games that Texas actually struck first. Uh, you know, Trey Faltine, he had the double down the line that scored a run, and and then they scored two more off Eric Kennedy's bat, driving in two runs. You know, they get off to a 3-0 lead. You know, Coy Cobb had trouble early on. You know, and they really had to rely on their bullpen, and it was nice to see that their bullpen could step in. Dawson Mary Merriman came in and pitched four and two-thirds, virtually giving up nothing to Cal State. The only run they scored was on a throwing error from Faltin. But, you know, there were a couple times in that game where they tied it up, and then Austin Todd comes up, and he just hits a two-run rope over the, over the, uh, the wall, giving him his first home run of the season. You know, Peyton Powell comes up in the bottom of the sixth. And, you know, it's funny about Powell is he's looking for his first single of the year, and all he does is seem to hit extra base hits. He has, you know, doubles and home runs, but th- that's it for him. It's it's kind of a funny thing. But, you know, if you look at the way that they were able to play and, and DePlantier, who was playing third base in this game, he came in and at the very end of the game and, you know, one, two, three inning, struck out uh, looking for the final out of the out of the game and you know they get their third sweep of the year um all all coming on weekend series i agree they look great and um they're actually going to be at home for a while they host abilene christian uh, on wednesday the 11th and then they actually host a series against new mexico the 13th 14th and 15th so um, they'll be at home a while hopefully they can continue their win streak as well absolutely if you look at you know what's going on with this texas baseball team right now they're you know, after uh, a weekend where they struggled down in Houston, losing two of three, they've come home, they've won four straight. And I got to say, Austin Todd right now, 
Uh, he's one of the guys that, you know, has kind of been an unsung hero for this team. You know, he doesn't get a whole lot of uh, publicity. You know, everybody wants to talk about Zach Zubia, the big cat, for good reasons. But you, when you look up and down at his numbers right now, I mean, he's actually ripping the cover off the ball. Uh, 368 batting average leads the team. His 920S OPS plus slugging, which is, I mean, his on-base plus slugging, leads the team by a wide margin. No one with even 200 points of him. You know, 13 runs, 25 hits, also leading the team in doubles, triples, second RBIs as a leadoff hitter. And, you know, he gets on base. And I really think that Todd could move down in the lineup just so they can take advantage of his bat. But the fact that he gets on base, you know, that sets up Zubia and some of the guys coming up. You know, but I really think that, you know, Todd has been really the key to getting that offense going. You know, sometimes they can struggle, but once Todd gets going, as you can see, he gets on base, he hits, and that really sets them up for success later on in the game. Right. And I actually have a question for you. I know Occupy Left Field was talking about this on Twitter a bit, but do you think they should necessarily be in the discussion for um, any type of ranking at this point, or do you think they haven't played enough tough competition? You know, I think that – it was kind of a surprise when they beat the number six Arkansas Razorbacks during the uh, Shriners hospital college classic. Um, You know, they played the number 11 LSU team really close, you know, lost by a run. Uh, I think that that Missouri game probably hurts them a little bit. The fact that they, they dropped that game. Uh, but if I remember correctly, it was just a couple of weeks ago or even a week ago that the USA Today, I think they were up there around 22nd. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have to go back and, and verify that. But, um, you know, I, it's tough to say. I mean, there's so many good baseball teams out there right now, but I, I will say that they will have their opportunity to earn that. Uh, but I don't think it's anything that should be made a big deal of like at, at this point. Right. I definitely think it's way too early to worry about the rankings, but I was just curious because it's starting to become a a little debate on Twitter. Um, But like you mentioned, the only two ranked teams they've played is LSU and Arkansas. So it makes sense. Yeah, it'll take time. But uh, just want to remind everybody, uh, Tuesday is Twitter Tuesday. So send us your questions. Tweet, Facebook us. Where else can they find us? They can find us um, on the Longhorns Wire Facebook page, like you mentioned, um, either of our personal Twitter handles, uh, the Locked On Longhorns Twitter handle. You can message us on any of our social media. We're happy to take questions in any form. It's one of our favorite days to record, and we look forward to all the great questions from you all. Absolutely, absolutely. So that wraps up this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NFL Draft. Have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. Welcome. You're Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns.